All right. Well, today I want to talk a little bit about the influence we have, the influence we have, and how that can impact someone's aspirations. How our influence can impact what somebody aspires to. And sometimes this is a a formal thing, and sometimes it's such a subtle thing, but it's so much a real thing, especially in the life of Christ followers. When I was growing up, all my high school and my early years of college, I only wanted to be a baseball player. Seriously, that was all the thought I gave to my future. That's all I was going to, I was going to be a professional baseball player. That was all my preparation. But throughout my high school years, there was a lady in our church, and she would often say to me, no, not a baseball player, a teacher. And that was so easy to dismiss because I never was comfortable standing in front of a group of people and giving a talk. And now for 30 years, I have spent most of my time standing in front of people giving a talk. Still not comfortable with it. In fact, I knew this was our church home when the first Sunday I was here, Marty talked about his dependence on his notes. And if you think Marty's dependence on his notes, I will show you dependence on notes. Because I was influenced by a quiet little lady that would just often say, no, but. So if you would find Psalm 73. Psalm 73, you still all right out there? Okay, all right. Psalm 73, and you have a note sheet in front of you, or maybe you downloaded it from the the web, the email. Psalm 73, here we go. Verse 1, surely, what a start. Surely, God is good to Israel, his people, to those who are pure in heart. Now, that's a good statement. God is good to his people. It just stands alone. It's a complete statement. That could be all we need from this chapter is that verse. Surely God is good to his people. But verse 2, and it actually begins with the word, but. But as for me, my feet had almost slipped. I had nearly lost my foothold. For I envied the arrogant when I saw the prosperity of the wicked. They have no struggles. Their bodies are healthy and strong. They are free from common human burdens. They are not plagued by human ills. The writer's looking around. And he's driving to church and he sees his neighbor's car is still in the driveway. He gets to sleep in on Sundays. And then he thinks, I'll bet he doesn't have a check in his pocket like I have written out to the church. They have more time and they have more money than I have. No wonder I saw them coming home from the Caribbean last summer with a tan. And I came home from Arkansas with a flat tire. That's what he's seeing. Stuff like that. Been there? Hmm. Verse 13. He goes on in those next verses to really describe that. So let's, but let's move on to 13. Surely, surely in vain I have kept my heart pure 
and have washed my hands in innocence. Surely in vain I've done the right things. All day long I've been afflicted and every morning brings new punishments. This writer is concluding it costs to honor God and it pays to ignore him like they're doing. But then there's a big turn with verse 15. Having thought those thoughts, look at verse 15. If I had spoken out what I was just thinking, I would have betrayed your children, he's thinking to his heavenly father. You know, if I'd have started saying what I was just thinking, oh, I would have betrayed your children, heavenly heavenly father. 16, when I tried to understand all this, it troubled me. Verse 17, till or until. Till I entered, what's the word? The the sanctuary. I went to church. And I understood their final destiny. Surely you place them on slippery ground. You cast them down to ruin. The writers made a change here. It cost to ignore God. It cost to ignore God. It was it cost to follow God. Now it's a change. Big picture. It actually, if you think through it, with some understanding, it cost to ignore God. Verse 19. How suddenly are they destroyed, completely swept away by terrors. They are like a dream when one awakes. When you arise, Lord, you will despise them as fantasies. When my heart was grieved and my spirit embittered, then I was senseless and ignorant. I was a brute beast before you. Yet, I am always with you. You hold me by my right hand. Blake, I believe last week or so or the week before you gave the words to the song, Prone to Wander, Lord, I Feel It. That's what he's saying here. I wander. I look around from time to time and I get a little wandering. Yet, I'm always with you. You hold me by my right hand. We may wander, but he, he doesn't give up. He keeps coming. Verse 24. You guide me with your counsel, and afterward you will take me into glory. That's a verse that everybody ought to have underlined in their Bible. What a verse. That's life with God. You guide me with your counsel. Throughout my life, you're guiding me with your counsel. It may be a message like Bill gave Sunday. It may be a Bible study, or it may be the presence of the Holy Spirit guiding you. And then after this life, what? You take me to glory. What a verse. What a verse. Verse 25. Whom have I in heaven but you? And earth has nothing I desire besides you. My flesh and my heart may fail, but God is the strength of my heart and my portion forever. Those who are far from you will perish. You destroy all who are unfaithful to you. 28. But as for me, it is good 
to be near God. What a phrase. It is good to be near God. I have made the sovereign Lord my refuge. I will tell of your deeds forever. On your note sheet, the writer is saying, I am choosing the life of full devotion to God for a couple of reasons. Number one, because of the children. The children, verse 15. If I had spoken out like that, I would have betrayed your children. On your note sheet, children remind us of the importance of the present. They They remind us of the importance of the presence, present time. And they remind us, the same time, they remind us of the importance of the future. Kids keep in front of us at the same time, providing for the present and preparing for the future. Don't they? These two kids, you're thinking about loading up. That's the present. You're wondering what they're going to do for a living. Is that, is that senior going to get out and do something? Is that freshman going to go all the way through? Party or study? Kids have a way of what? Reminding us at the same time, providing for the present, preparing for the future. On your note sheet, the message of Christianity is God desires that our present be abundant life and our future be eternal life. So a fully devoted follower of Christ lives with the conviction everyone's life would be better with God in it. You know, the writer started off going, their life would be better if I was in it. And he comes to the conclusion, no, their life would be better if God was in it. Present and future, now and eternity. All people's life would be present, would be better if God was in it. So for the children, that impact we have on God's kids whether they're ours in particular or they're Blakes that we see running around the church or someone coming in for the first time. We stay faithful because of the impact we can have. No, not a baseball player, a teacher. Just a little word from a little lady. Second reason this writer has concluded that to choose a life of full devotion to God is the only way to go. Number two on your notes, because being involved in God's work brings clarity to life. Being involved in God's work brings clarity to life. Verses 16 and 17. When I tried to understand all this, it troubled me deeply. Why are they doing so well and they seem to ignore God? Till... I entered the sanctuary of God. Where? Till I came to the sanctuary of God. Then I understood. See, coming on your note sheet, coming to God's sanctuary helps us to determine right from wrong. It helps us to distinguish the good from the bad. And it even helps us to discern the best from the merely good. 
Choosing a life of full devotion to God brings out our most noble aspirations. What's wrong with wanting to play baseball forever? Because it doesn't last forever. But the impact as a teacher, as a servant, providing financially, providing technology and equipment so that somebody, whether they're 8 years old or 88 years old, hears the right word from the good Lord at the right time, that influence does last forever. Being a part of a congregation brings clarity to life and it inspires our most noble aspirations. Now, you may not go into uh, ministry, but you are into ministry. Whether you are flying, chaplaining, doing a chaplain, diagnosing something out here for financial markets, you're still in ministry. In fact, you're probably the Bible most people are going to read before they ever pick up the Bible. Marty has said so many times since Debbie and I have been here, what people see is often an unclear picture of who Jesus really is. You have a chance to give a clear picture just by the way you do your work. By the word you choose to say, and sometimes the words we choose not to say. Ministry is not a church vocation. Church vocation is to prepare the people for the ministry. And most of that is outside the church house. But coming together gives us inspiration and instruction for that. On your note sheet, as the church, being the church... As a church, we must create a culture that is so rich that we walk with one another through all the twists and turns of life together. So that whenever somebody comes our way, the culture of the church has to be so rich that when somebody comes our way and they're struggling, there's hope. Just walking in, there's a feeling of hope by the way that we walk with one another through all the turns of life together. Whether somebody comes our way and they're wrestling with the loss of a loved one, financial mismanagement, divorce, substance or behavior addiction, sexuality, raising a family, managing their career, anything and everything, whether they need correction or they need encouragement, that richness of how we walk together can inspire and deliver hope. Hope. If you want to change people, really, and change society, it starts with changing a heart. Now, in church, we call that what? Evangelism. But you can't just have an evangelism. You have to have the educating in God's Word. And teaching about the presence of the Holy Spirit, we call that in the church discipleship. But then there's another critical component Somebody's heart begins to get changed. Somebody begins to hear the word of God and sense the presence of the Holy Spirit. But the thing that really puts it into action is the loving accountability of the community of faith. And we call that fellowship. And it's not a staff person's job to do fellowship. We all create the fellowship. 
But that provides the accountability to a heart that wants something better and having heard the word that can provide something better. What's the accountability? It's what happens in the hallways. It's what happens in the classrooms. It doesn't happen looking at the back of somebody's bald spot. That's inspiration, but accountability. It's the hallways. It's the ministries we do together. Debbie and I chose to return to Oklahoma City because of Crossings Church. We've kept an eye on Crossings from, for many years from afar. We grew up in Oklahoma City, but we left in 1990 to go to seminary in Kansas City, Missouri. The, the summer before my seminary classes began, I was hired by Pleasant Valley Church. 1990, in the 1990s, Pleasant Valley began hosting the Global, Global Leadership Summit. After I left Kansas City in 1999, I continued to bring leaders from the churches where I was serving back to attend the summit. And being from Oklahoma, I checked the Global Leadership Network membership list to see what church in Oklahoma City hosted the summit. This is when I first started reading about Crossings Church. And I began sending pastors that I knew in Oklahoma City to Crossings as the host site. Last year, Debbie and I were in stage of life and ministry, and it's not retirement, by the way. We're just seeing what God has next. We were in a place of life and ministry that we strongly considered coming back to Oklahoma City. So I began to thoroughly read the information on the church website. I was so inspired by your emphasis on relevance, congregational life, love for all people, and Jesus as a hope for each person and our world. And I was especially, I especially admired your description of church membership and your statements about doctrine. We're here because of this church is still committed to the educational environments of the church. A church dedicated to ample access to God's word and ample access to developing relationships. All right, back on your notes, back on your your Bible, verse 3 and 4. Back in your Bible, verse 3 and 4. Got to get Gene to lunch. Verse 3 and 4. For I envied the arrogant when I saw the prosperity of the wicked. They have no struggles. Their bodies are healthy and strong. You know, a paraphrase, a loose paraphrase of verse 4 could be, their bodies are tanned. They've been hanging out at the beach. Tanned bodies can get our attention in inappropriate ways. But then again, things can get our attention in unhealthy ways. All that car, all that boat. Worked with a guy one time, and I drive around with him, and all we, you know, ooh, see that car? You see that car? You see that house? You see that house? You see that boat? Things can sometimes get our attention in unhealthy ways. A particular title on the job, particular value in our bank account. And even as we approach our senior adult years, the thing that folks outside the church that often catches our attention is time. You know, retired folks seem to have more time. They got time to go slow, you know, get out of the rat race. They have time to travel. They have time to go here, there, and anywhere. 
They have time to see the kids. I got a friend that's been talking about retirement since he was 40 years old. Every time we get together, retirement, 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 retirement. You know, when I first started in ministry, I was in my, my young 30s, and I really had an interest in senior adult ministry. I could not think of any group in the church that had more to offer than our senior adults. Wisdom from life's experiences, from lessons learned, from that school of hard knocks. The wisdom that seniors seem to have from success and the wisdom of those many pitfalls that are lurking out there. Now, I don't know you well, but I do know that in the sanctuary of God's church, being involved in God's work brings clarity to life. We gain the perspectives we need to continue to navigate life's storms. And we can invest in the next generation so that our, the lessons learned aren't lost on us. So how we use our time when we finally get my time? That's got to be a big part of our planning, especially our retirement planning. Go back to verse 28. But as for me, it is good to be near God. You know, it's good to kind of have a pleasurable day, have some pleasure. It's good to have a reliable, nice-looking car and house that works well. But it's so, so good to come together with like-minded people to be near God. But for me, it is good to be near God. I have made the sovereign Lord my refuge. I will tell of all your deeds. On your note sheet. Uh, You guys at home, if you downloaded that, this has been added. Sorry about that. That's the bonus for being in person. In every season of life, We are telling what is important to us. We really are. We really are. In every season of life, we're telling what's important to us. So what am I talking about these days? Because that's what's important to me. Whenever we're around, what are we talking about? Because that's what's important. We're talking about tan bodies, you know, pursuit of pleasure, What I'm going to eat today, where I'm going to eat today. Got to have something to put on the Facebook page. With a guy one time, and all he ever talked about was what he had ate the last week. Oh, I was at such, I was at so, I was at so. My wife finally said, we're not going out. We're not going, we're not going anywhere with him. I don't want to hear about it. And then, of course, Facebook comes along. So-and-so was at, at, at. So How about the accumulation of things? See that car? See that car? See that car? Oh, what about it's finally mine time? Whatever season of life in, we're always still still telling what's important to us. We could always be talking about fun time we had, and that's great. Always be talking about good things that we get to enjoy, and that's great. Always be talking about what we're going to do with our time, our time, our time. Or 
Can it be the last part of verse 28? I will tell of your deeds. To know a Christ follower is to know what, they're, what God's doing in their life these days. Let's pray. Father, thank you for the church you created and the powerful opportunity you give us as your church. We can change somebody's career aspirations by a kind, gentle word. We can prevent somebody from a terrible, terrible mistake sometimes by a a timely, stern word. We always need somebody who's come to your word all week long in prayer and proclaiming before before us, thus saith the Lord. And then, Father, thank you for your written word that we can go to. Like the Bereans, we can check out to see what is true and right. And then we live that word as we cross paths in your house and as we cross paths with the people you bring into our life each week. Sometimes at the store, sometimes at the ball game, most often on the job and in our families. Father, we thank you for influence that can impact somebody's life because we understand it is good to be near our God. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen.